When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Debrief from the Business of Fashion, where each week we go deep on our most popular BOF professional stories with the correspondents who created them. I'm Lauren Sherman. At the height of the pandemic, there was an influx of fashion brands scrambling to hire talent with expertise in the virtual world. But with a recession on the horizon, job postings with Metaverse in the title declined 81% between April and June, according to a Bloomberg report. While brands are still launching plenty of Web3 and Metaverse projects, overall enthusiasm appears to have waned in tandem with NFT and cryptocurrency prices. These days, companies are more likely to hire for roles that will help get them through the near term, whether it's navigating supply chain snarls, new environmental regulations, or shifting consumer demands. Today, I have with me BOF senior correspondent Sheena Butler-Young to discuss the hottest jobs in fashion right now. Sheena, as always, thank you for being here. So give me a sense of what's happening in the fashion market right now. So the labor market, there are a couple big themes that we're watching. The first one is a bit of a cliche, but I'm going to use it because I don't get to do that often in this beat. But what's old is new again, right? So there are these really traditional positions in fashion and basically in a lot of companies in areas like human resources, finance, supply chain, you know, those company staples that you see, they've quickly shot up to the top of the priority list for companies that are hiring. But these roles now have a twist, right? The job descriptions, the responsibilities, the kind of people that companies are looking to hire for roles like HR is a good example of this is different than what they were looking for two years ago, basically before the pandemic, because HR, as I said, is a good example. The pandemic has fundamentally changed the way people work. So what you want out of an HR professional is a little different than what you might have wanted three to four years ago. So that's driving hiring demand. The other thing that's happening is that there are these new emerging areas and sectors, right? So not so much metaverse or Web3, but things like related to HR, diversity, equity, inclusion. We saw what happened in summer 2020 with those social justice protests, tons of fashion firms, Lululemon. VF Corp, that's the parent of the North Face and Timberland, PVH Corp, you know, Calvin Klein parent, Tommy Hilfiger parent, they all hired their first chief diversity officer or heads of diversity. Sometimes they use different names following that social justice moment we saw in 2020. And now those leaders need to staff up, right? Hopefully they're getting the resources to do so. But we're seeing hiring of roles such as DEI managers. So that's diversity, equity and inclusion managers, directors, vice presidents. Another emerging function is 
is around environmental, social, and governance. That used to be this really hodgepodge of a bunch of nice-to-haves. You know, you used to be able to get brownie points from consumers and employees if you could show that you were meaningfully thinking about, you know, your environmental impact and the climate, or you were doing nice things for your community, or, you know, you had really fair labor practices in emerging markets where your garments are being made, that sort of things. Those were nice way to get brownie points. But now there are true regulations and laws emerging around these things that are making companies need more legal heft. So they're hiring lawyers and advisors to help them be compliant with things that are now becoming law. So I think that's the two big themes in the labor market a combination of traditional roles becoming increasingly important, but with a twist, and then a few new job categories like ESG and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Got it. So let's break some of this stuff down with ESG in particular. And you mentioned public policy. What kind of skills do these hires need to have? Do they need to have degrees in public policy? Are they coming from government, coming from lobbying? What kinds of skills are these companies looking for to help fill these roles? And what exactly are they doing once they get to these places? Yeah, so... ESG is an interesting one, the way this one came to my attention. So I was talking to a lawyer for this firm called Kirkland LLP, and they actually built out a whole new practice dedicated to ESG because they were getting so much demand from retailers, in particular fashion companies that were scrambling to figure out how to be compliant with new laws. So just to back up a little bit, ESG used to be this really fuzzily defined subject, right? Each company had its own idea about how to prioritize the things I listed earlier, environmental impact, human rights, and how you engage in social responsibility. So now that they've got these laws, they're looking for lawyers. That's the primary need of people with actual legal experience. So they're outsourcing some of it to law firms or they're hiring lawyers to work internally as part of some ESG unit. The second part in terms of how they're staffing, once you have a legal advisor telling you things like they can perform a litigation risk analysis, they'll help guide response to shareholder activism around these topics or flag potential human rights issues. Now you need the people that are going to communicate around that. You're going to need the HR people that are going to hire around that. So this is one of those areas where you'll see, you know, that primary need being filled through a lawyer or a legal advisor, a paralegal, and then you'll see it reverberate across the organization where either you hire more people to support that function or you start to see the existing responsibilities of your employees and different functions change. A couple laws that speak to this that we're watching and and that companies are paying attention to, you've probably heard of a few of them, the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act in the U.S., which went into effect in June. That's making it illegal to bring in goods with forced labor in China's Xinjiang region. But when I last checked, 20% of the world's cotton comes from China and 84% of that comes from that region. So that's a real shift in how a lot of companies, period, but especially fashion companies have to think about sourcing. So that's one of the things driving this. And the other one is, I don't know if you saw this, Lauren, I think we covered it in the UK. There's these uh, watchdogs, the Competition and Markets Authority in July, they launched an investigation into sustainability claims made by fast fashion brands like Boohoo and ASOS. So also a lot of cracking down on greenwashing. So those are the big laws that are driving the need for actual lawyers and people with environmental studies degrees. So there's a reverberating effect around ESG. Got it. So let's talk about the people who are hiring for the ESG rules, the HR people. I believe we talked about this on the podcast. 
You did a piece about employee demands in the workplace changing over the last couple of years. How has that shifted what HR people do? The interesting thing around HR is that I love the way that Kyle Rudy, who is a partner at an executive placement firm, Kirk Palmer and Associates, he described it this way. So you've got an evolving set of needs that are happening from your employees, this fundamental change and not just how people work, but their relationship with work. And what that did, this confluence of demands, the pandemic, which really laid bare things like social and economic disparities, all those things happening in the world, that made the role of HR so critical, but also very, very, very stressful. And so you had a lot of HR leaders opting out, basically resigning. Kyle described it as it exposed or revealed that some of the existing senior HR leaders were not as nimble and diverse as maybe the current working world needs them to be. So that's one thing that a lot of people left because the job was stressful or the evolution of what they had to do just didn't make sense for them. So that's one part of it. The other thing that's happening is that when you have people opting out in significant numbers, there's an opportunity to redefine an existing function. So companies have been trying to take the opportunity to upgrade their HR function and the kinds of employees that they're hiring. So the skills that are becoming more important now are things like an eye towards diversity, equity, and inclusion. They're actually seeking out diverse candidates, people that are thinking along the lines of employee wellness and that communicate around what's it like to work at a company and really sell that to employees in a candidate's labor market. So hiring needs for HR leaders include generalist HR coordinators. I did a lot of digging around at job boards. I was joking with a friend of mine and I said, if someone takes my BOF computer, it would look like I've applied for a dozen jobs this week because I've been going through Indeed and LinkedIn and all those different job boards and just searching all these things that I'm hearing from recruiters that are important. So for example, Gucci needs a people operations coordinator and note that word change, people operations. So a lot of signaling about the evolution of a job is put into the title. So we're seeing people and culture coordinator versus HR coordinator, for example. Balenciaga is looking for an HR generalist via LinkedIn and then Caring Eyewear recruiting for a senior HR manager for North America. So just a hodgepodge of just the standard HR titles, generalist, uh, coordinators, and then you see that shift around word choices like people and culture that signal that they want a professional that's thinking progressively around culture and that can communicate that to not just the talent that you want from the outside, but the people that are already inside the organization that you need to retain right now. And let's talk a bit more about DEI, because this is another topic that I don't think we've talked about on the podcast, but that you've covered quite extensively about the role of the chief diversity officer and how it's been challenged in a lot of these businesses. How are you seeing the DEI departments that are sort of connected to HR How have you seen them evolving in recent months? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Conflicting views on this, but I would say more recruiters and HR experts that I've spoken to than not say that diversity roles should not sit in HR. But a lot of companies started out that way. They hired or named chief diversity officers and they sat them in the HR function. Now, why that might be an issue is that you want a chief to have a direct line to the CEO. You want them in the C-suite because in addition to making them theoretically more effective and more impactful, it signals their importance just to have them sit beside your CEO and having your CEO's ears and feel like a peer to the leader of the organization. So that's one of the issues with having that function not sit in the C-suite, but be a C-suite role. So A lot of companies now, they're hearing that feedback. It's well-documented. It's documented on the business of fashion for sure. And I think they're starting to shift that. You're seeing more and more diversity chiefs sitting in the C-suite alongside the rest of the C-suite. And what is happening that I think is more reassuring to see is that you're seeing what diversity actually woven into the organization. So it doesn't have to sit in HR because HR will be the main executor or they will carry out whatever the diversity mandate is in a major way, but it should be woven there. It doesn't have to actually sit there with the CDO for it to be effective, which I think is another good sign. I think more support functions are being added to the diversity, equity, and inclusion function. So we're seeing roles like diversity manager, a diversity, equity, inclusion director. So There are signs that chief diversity officers are hopefully getting the financial and people resources they need. They now have a bigger budget to hire and staff up so that there are actual players that will carry out whatever strategy they design to make an organization more inclusive. One thing we haven't talked about yet is supply chain. I think you may have mentioned it briefly, but obviously supply chain has been top of mind for the last three years now. I can't believe we're going into the third year of the pandemic. But now that we may be entering a recession, inflation is still crazy. There's still tons of supply chain issues, especially if you're producing overseas. All this stuff happening, how are companies preparing for that in the way that they're hiring around supply chain expertise? Well, you said it best, Lauren. I think supply chain issues are basically perpetual right now. They're not going away. They're just constantly evolving. When you get over one port snarl, there's another thing that pops up. So that's probably something that companies will have to contend with for a long time, probably into the foreseeable future. But more than ever, supply chain is closely connected to the consumer experience. It's no longer a back office function. Think about it this way. If you are a consumer, you're thinking about and communicating on your social media about, did I get my order on time? Am I getting the best 
pricing for an order. That all goes back to sourcing. Are my favorite items always out of stock? So this is going from a back office function to a very sexy consumer facing function. So in fashion, that's driving it to the top of the priority list. Nordstrom named its first chief supply chain officer last year. Revlon hired a new chief supply chain officer when everyone was experiencing those port issues last year, but they did a switcheroo in their C-suite as a result of that. And then luggage brand Away hired its first chief operating officer that same year. All three of those companies pointed to a need to put C-suite weight behind the growing challenges of logistics. So some of the things that we're seeing companies hire for, in addition to that big C-suite role, are roles like operation managers, merchandising assortment planners, shipping and logistics specialists, and pricing and promotion specialists. So these are important positions that report up to your CSCO or your COO. Also, there are positions that can help companies boost their sustainability efforts, like materials and product developers. Those are also getting new attention. All told, I think the number is higher, but I will not argue with the Bureau of Labor Statistics. But by 2030, employment of supply chain management professionals is expected to grow by 30%. So it's a big number and it it might even be higher if you take into account those support roles or adjacent roles like your material and product developers. Some examples that we've seen, Kate Spade is hiring for a materials development coordinator. Under Armour needs a senior materials developer for apparel and accessories. Gucci needs a VP of supply chain. What I think is really interesting is not just the titles here, but if you read the job descriptions, there are all these little tidbits about how these roles are evolving. Like for ESG, I think it was Saks Fifth Avenue that was hiring for some kind of sustainability director, but they wanted them to have a degree in environmental studies. So very interconnected themes here, but it's not just the title, it's the job description and the qualifications that will tell you a lot about where the industry is headed in terms of the hiring needs and how things are evolving. Before I have one final big question for you that I don't know if you'll be able to answer, but before that, can you just talk a bit about the Metaverse Web3 stuff? Has that stopped totally? Are people like, I don't want to be involved in that right now? Or is there still interest? And especially if a business is doing well and expanding that part of it. The interesting thing with Web3 metaverse stuff is I think from a hiring perspective, a lot of what we've heard, dare I say it, was a little overhyped. Most companies were outsourcing their dabbling in the metaverse and Web3 to begin with. You had some larger companies that were maybe taking a bigger bet. I believe it was Tommy Hilfiger that did a whole incubator project where they brought in a bunch of experts in AR and AI, and they had them sort of study stuff and teach the team and like build out a whole facet of the business around that. But I think most companies weren't really doing much hiring to begin with. I know I personally tried to follow a couple tips around hiring needs. And what I kept getting from the metaverse experts was the biggest need will probably be around community managers. So as more companies start to dabble in the metaverse and create these discord channels and that kind of thing, they're going to face maybe some ethical challenges around keeping people safe, around the exchange of information, who owns what, all of that decentralization stuff will probably get a little messy. And so that would be the big hiring need. But obviously, as we face this very real recession or what some economists say, we're already in one, things like that sort of take the back burner. But I would argue that it never really, from a hiring perspective, was fundamentally on the front burner. 
So here's the big question. You mentioned the recession. I don't know if that's the second time it's been mentioned in this podcast, but this potential recession, existing recession, who knows? PVH, the company that owns Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin Klein, they just announced they were going to be doing some layoffs. There seem related to some reorganizing within the business, but I'm sure it is also connected to current outlooks. Do you think that hiring is going to slow down a ton? What's your crystal ball outlook for the fashion job market in the next few months? Hiring will slow down in certain areas, but you might not notice because there's so many needs cropping up elsewhere. If I had to look into a crystal ball, that's the thing that's been happening in fashion for a while now. So before the pandemic, for example, we know there was that restructuring of jobs that were happening. So a lot of resources were being shifted from brick and mortar to online. And so there were a lot of job losses. There were a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of layoffs and store closings. But the number of jobs needed in retail may not have shifted as significantly as you expect because they went to online. That's the theory. I think that's sort of what's maybe happening as we get into recessions that needs are going to change. So yes, we don't need the virtual Web3 design guru this week, but we do need the supply chain logistics person that's going to keep us in business and bringing in product and thinking about things like pricing and assortment in a market that inflation is record high. Consumers are worried about their next dime. So I think the needs will start to shift more so than just having this big mass layoffs and nobody has jobs, I think. But as you said, things might change again. Harder than ever to predict the future. Sheena, thank you so much for trying and joining me today. Thank you so much, Lauren. Super fun. You have been listening to The Debrief from The Business of Fashion, produced and edited by Emma Clark, Kate Barton, and Eric Bria in the BOF studio. I'm Lauren Sherman, and I will be back next Wednesday with a new episode. Thanks so much for joining us, and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can join BOF Professional today with an exclusive 25% discount on an annual membership covering key industry topics from sustainability to technology to marketing with access to our case studies, live events, and iOS app. To get this special offer and benefit from 25% off of a membership, head to the link in the episode show notes or enter the coupon code DEBRIEF at checkout. Visit businessoffashion.com slash memberships. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.